Welcome back to Synced Up. Today, I am so excited to present to you our first guest, holistic psychotherapist and self-development connoisseur, and now social media king, Mr. Glenn Skidmore. Hey, so good to meet you. <laughs> I think we should just get right into it. So do you I want love that. to... Do you like a little how you got here, where you're from, a little bit of background? Sure. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, in Fort Greene. You grew up in, what neighborhood did you grow up in? I grew up in Chelsea. Okay, that's right. So grew up in Fort Greene, really diverse neighborhood, exposed to so many different types of things growing up. One of the things that I'm realizing recently is that my parents really encouraged me to be different. They they actually got, they liked me more when I was different. And it has kind of created this thing in me, not actually like me more. Their love was not conditional. They're super loving, but like got excited when I was different, which really encouraged me to have this strong desire to differentiate which has sucked in a lot of ways because it like it does create a lot of like judgment and criticism of the world around me. But I think I've learned to like use it in a way that's actually in service of me. Because um, like generally what happens is like when I see things, I see everyone doing kind of the same thing. And immediately my thought is, oh, well, I can't do the same thing. I have to do something different. That's my identity. So then what's my best option for different? Um, and that's kind of, I'm realizing that's how I've lived a lot of my life and it's, and it's helped me construct this personality that's like different in many ways. Um, and, and again, that was hard in my early and mid twenties, but now I'm learning to use it in a way that I, I really like. Okay. I have a few questions. So one, when's your birthday? Like how old are you? But also not to be this person, but I need to know. Um, be that person. What's your sign? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I was born May 13th, 1990. So I'm a Taurus. Really interesting. Okay. How old are you? 32. 32. Okay. So you feel like when you were in your early and mid 20s, you always felt different, but you didn't know how to harness that. Yeah. Would you yes. elaborate? Because I feel like, so I'm 23. Mm -hmm. I feel like right now I'm just really figuring myself out. And I feel like almost every year I just am a completely different person. I don't know. Your early 20s are just such a weird time. Like, do you think mm -hmm. you can talk on that and how to navigate it a bit? Yeah, yeah sure. Well, first off, I think it's really cool that you experience yourself that way. I think it's really cool that you are in this process of changing. So for me, I choose to see, I choose to believe that everything that I experience is a result of something that I am attracting, attracted to, or choosing. Everything. And I've been through hard shit. And I, I choose to have that belief about myself. Um, I'm not imposing that on other people, but the reason I choose to believe that is because that puts me in the most empowered position to be able to change what I don't like into what I like. If I'm experiencing something that I don't like and I say, oh, well, I'm choosing this, then what would I like to choose instead? Then I'm putting myself in a position to be able to take the actions to choose something else. Totally. And it's also a form of taking accountability for what's happening in your life instead of kind of having this victimization mentality. And when you step out of like, why is this happening to me? I'm so unlucky, that kind of narrative. It again, puts you in the power seat because you can actually take accountability and say, you know what, I'm attracting this because I'm doing X, Y, and Z. I know that that's a result of what I'm doing. And I think like, it's really easy for me to demonstrate this, like with an example of dating, like for a really long time, I was attracting all of these emotionally unavailable men. I was like, why am I attracting these guys like this and that? And to go back to what I, to what we were talking about before of everyone is a mirror reflection of you. So there has to be some part within myself 
that is emotionally unavailable, that is what's attracting these men into my life. And mm-hmm. I see it that way, it's not like, oh, why am I only dating these types of guys? And it kind of switches it to, okay, what can I adjust to stop attracting this because I don't want to and I want to take accountability for my end of the street. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really powerful and beautiful perspective to take. So, okay, no, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Well, I was just going to say like, because like with the victim perspective, like why are things happening to me? I don't see that as an inherently bad thing because I don't believe that good and bad exists. Someone seeing themselves as a victim is a strategy that they're using that is producing a certain experience. So if they are seeing themselves as a victim, that produ- that generally produces an experience of like overwhelm, anxiety, shame, guilt, those kinds of things, right? And it's to me, it's just simply that ask that person asking themselves, do I like feeling these ways? Like, are these the feelings I want to be feeling? If yes, then continuing to see myself as a victim is actually a good strategy to produce the experience I want. But it might not be what I want to experience. If I want to experience joy and love, what might be the perspective of the world that helps me access those experiences? And the accountability perspective is just a tool. It's just a strategy that makes it more likely that you are able to experience love and joy, groundedness, peace, all that kind of stuff, and then create your life from there. I think that's such a good point though. And I've noticed a lot with your content as well. And this is something that is so opposite of what I am and something that I'm like really trying to work on. But Mm -hmm. you, I don't know what the opposite of this is, but you're not black and white. Like you are very... I don't know what the word is, but I'm Mm. black and white. Like, and I guess Mm. the way that I grew up, but when I, like, I don't take things with the grain of salt and I'm Mm -hmm. thing that I'm starting to notice is like, and it, sorry, I have ADHD and like my brain, no, a million. I love, I love that you're thinking, first off, I love ADHD. I think (laughs) my, my favorite people have ADHD or could be diagnosed with it. What I would ask you is, okay, when you're presented information, and you see it through the lens of black and white. What, and I mean this sincerely. What does that do for you? What's that like when you see something through the lens of black and white? I think it gives me a sense of certainty. Uh-huh. You feel safe. Yes, right. Really seeking safety. Right. Right. So, and then when you feel safe, then what does that allow? What can you then do? What can you feel if you feel safe? Well, I can take action from a place of confidence and confidence and groundedness. You said, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. What you want is confidence and groundedness, right? You've been conditioned to see the world in this particular way. And actually, the goal of seeing it that way is just, it's what you've learned will produce groundedness and confidence. Oh, wow. You've learned to to believe that certainty exists and you've learned to find the certainty because you believe that certainty will make you feel confident and grounded, right? But what does it actually produce? What does it actually feel like when you're seeking certainty? When I'm seeking certainty? When you're like wanting certainty to exist and seeing that something is... I mean, anxiety. Exactly. So it's actually seeing the world as black and white on the surface is about, like you would say it's about accessing safety, but what it's actually about is creating anxiety. So what do I do? (laughs) So this is where I think things get beautiful and so cool. I see... Take notes as you're speaking. (laughs) 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 I see things like groundedness or confidence as spirits. Like they're almost like a person, right? It's an an energy. It's, It's basically just what you call confidence is 
it's a few things. One of those things is that the cells in your body are just vibrating at a particular frequency, right? Mm -hmm. It feels a certain way mm -hmm. and we call it confidence. And it kind of fits into this larger category of well-being. And there's in there, there's groundedness, joy, confidence, lightness, love, fun, kindness, all that kind of stuff, right? So if you see confidence as a spirit, right? Think about like all you really have to do is if you're a radio, you just turn your dial to a frequency that will receive confidence. It's just choosing to receive confidence. And then confidence will express itself through you. Mm -hmm. Confidence is like a spirit that almost takes over and then expresses itself through you in a totally unique way because no one like you has ever existed before. So then your personality becomes an expression of confidence when you're allowing the spirit of confidence to express itself through you, right? And then you just learn like, oh, who am I when I'm confident? I do these things. You just think, but if you see confidence as a spirit, you can ask it like, what's most likely to have you come in? Like, how can I invite you? What does my life look like when you want to be in me? When you're here, like, how would you like to speak to people? What would you like to do? And you allow confidence to teach you how it wants to exist in you. So if you're seeing something as black and white and, you, and it produces anxiety, what you could say is, okay, if I'm confident, confidence, what is your relationship with certainty? Do you need certainty to exist? And confidence would probably say, no, I don't need to be certain about anything. I don't think that certainty could ever exist. And I see that believing that certainty exists is actually just me or it's, it's just producing anxiety. So it's like this, this really beautiful process of asking questions is the thing that teaches you how to become the different feelings that you want to be. That is so powerful. I can also just imagine, and I know because I see this on your story, I like follow your, I follow your content a lot. Also guys, Thank you. just for context, I started following Flynn on Instagram because his reels would always pop up in my explore page and everything that he said would just hit so hard. Like it really just, I love the way that you present information because it's clear and it's it's tangible and it just it makes sense thank um, you just wanted to get that out there but thank I you imagine when you know you're getting curious with confidence and almost speaking to it like a spirit with visualization practices which is something that I do all the time like visualizing white light I do that I try to do that every day and I swear it makes your energy and just your entire presence and being so much more powerful and magnetic. It's something that mm -hmm. I like recommend to everyone is doing white mm -hmm. visualization meditations. But I can imagine that say you give and you obviously work it to your own personal style or whatever, but say you give confidence a color, say it's blue. Mm -hmm. Vision a blue light going into your body, which represents confidence how transformative that can be that can be the biggest thing is just starting the dialogue you know mm -hmm. starting the dialogue with how what does this look like what does this feel like how can i show up with this energy and who is that person like i feel like that's a really tangible thing that people can do is like start to journal on that and just figure yeah. out what that means and what it feels like exactly you're so right it it, it, I find it to be a very tangible thing. And it's really beautiful to create space for yourself where you're visualizing or you're virtualizing. You're like taking a thought and then bringing it into your body so your body remembers this thought. Um, but let's say I'm visualizing surfing, right? And I'm like learning a new turn and I want to be able to do that turn. So I'm laying in bed and I'm visualizing surfing. I wouldn't just be visualizing surfing i would want to be visualizing surfing with a particular energy so like i when i'm surfing i want to have fun i want to be playful i want to be joyful i want to be confident so if i'm learning a new turn i would be like how does joy do this turn what does my body do when joy is doing this turn how can i like reshape my foot stuff like what is my breath like when joy is doing this turn 
Whereas if I were like, what if insecurity and fear were doing this turn, I would punch up like this, right? My body would be less efficient. I'd be less likely to do the turn well. So a really cool thing is like these things like confidence, joy, the white light that you're talking about. When we practice inviting those things in, it makes it easier for us to produce the results that we want to produce, right? Like doing the turn beautifully and gracefully is a result of doing the, the turn with joy. Um, so in the visualization practice, it's like you're learning about who you are, how you move, how you speak just with a particular energy. I completely agree. It's really important to highlight what you said, that it does take practice. And yeah. I think sometimes people can be a little bit discouraged when they, you know, meditate one time and they're like, all right, well, my life is still the same. Like I'm still in this shitty situation. I can't stress this enough. It is a practice. Like it is mm -hmm. something that you show up to do for yourself every single day. And with the consistency and the commitment to it, that is when you start to really see results. Yep. Absolutely. And I would say that everything is a practice. Mm -hmm. So if a person is meditating, well, I would ask the person, what is that going to do for you? Why, why are you meditating? What do you want? And a lot of people would just say, oh, well, I'm told I'm supposed to meditate. It's good for you. It like, re reduces stress. Okay, so when stress is reduced, then what? What's there when you don't have stress? Mm -hmm. Calmness. Okay, so meditation is not just meditation. It's a practice of calmness. You're creating an environment for yourself to invite calmness in or whatever it is, relaxation, peace, and, and for calmness to teach you how it wants to exist in that particular environment. Okay, I have a question for you. <laughs> Please. So something that I've been practicing and I think that a lot of people can relate to is setting boundaries. Mm -hmm. So before COVID, I, I did not know what a boundary was. It literally mm -hmm. did not exist in my vocabulary. And mm -hmm. then, I mean, COVID, I think like a lot of people, it brought up a lot of shit for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's really when I started diving into all the spiritual work and self-development and inner child healing, like all of that stuff, shadow work, everything. And so I want to ask you, how do you set boundaries in the beginning of a relationship? Let's say you're starting a relationship. What is that relationship going to give you? And, and when I'm asking, like, whenever I ask that, I am never asking with the energy of like, oh, nothing that I don't already have. Like, I really mean sincerely, like, what, what are you hoping that this relationship will give you? Hmm an opportunity to feel even deeper like mm -hmm. love even deeper and in, uh -huh. a, in a new way and feel gratitude uh -huh. in a whole different way yeah okay that's really beautiful so love and gratitude right now and, and what you're speaking about is like the, the deeper is when two people do something it amplifies the experience like so if you're experiencing joy, beautiful. That's amazing. If you're experiencing joy with another person, I, it seems to be greater than one plus one equals two. It's like your joy multiplies and it creates eight times the amount of joy, right? So when you're experiencing love with a person, it like really is this deep thing that you're kind of not able to produce on your own. But so once you identify that what you want is love and gratitude, a few things can happen you can evaluate your patterns in the relationship and ask yourself like is this relationship helping me experience love and gratitude or is this relationship actually creating anxiety and confusion well i think like a lot of my my relation well see this is this is where i'm just i think sometimes i don't exactly know what i want like there's no person right now that I would want to be in a relationship with but mm -hmm. I enjoy like I love meeting people I'm super, mm -hmm. super extra. Mm -hmm. I love I love meeting people going on dates like just doing it all like experiencing it because I also feel like dating is I've learned so much about myself from dating like mm -hmm. really I mean I love that 
not always in the best way though. Like I'm like, can I learn this lesson in some other form? Mm -hmm. I, I guess it's kind of a thing where I'm not necessarily looking for a relationship right now. Like if I meet someone, obviously who I vibe with and like down right now, I'm very happy with like, or I don't even know if I'm really happy with it, but like, it's comfortable to mm -hmm. just like see the same couple people, even mm -hmm. though it's like not as fulfilling or nourishing as I want it to be. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm like, I don't want commit. I don't know. <laughs> well, so what I'm hearing is that you're satisfied and also there's a part of you that's not yet satisfied. Yeah. You, you want to create more. You want different, you want different things. You want to grow things. You want to build different things in your life. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, when you said that there's more you need to learn about yourself, what do you think those things are? Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess to a certain extent, what I like and what I don't like, or mm -hmm. how to handle conflict in, in a healthy way, you know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I there was a guy that I was seeing a few months ago and like, I've been doing a lot of personal development stuff for myself. And it was so interesting what you said before, like, is this bringing me joy and love and happiness? Or is this bringing me insecurity and anxiety? We were out one night and I had, I was talking to like, this guy had come up to me. He was gay. Okay. Mm -hmm. like, he had come up to me and he was like, Oh, I, I follow you on TikTok. Like, I love your TikTok. Mm -hmm. So obviously when I see someone like that, like I'm giving them all my energy. Like I am mm -hmm. I'm them. I'm, I'm being with them. This guy that I was like, kind of see, I was, we're friends, but like we go on dates and stuff. Mm -hmm. He, I guess saw that. And we had just gone on a date and he saw me talking to this guy. I don't think he knew that he was gay. And so I'm talking to him, whatever. I turn around and I see the guy that I had just gone on a date with making out with some girl right in front of me. Mm. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And I knew exactly like where it was coming from. And I think in the past, it would have really hurt my self-esteem, but I've done the work on myself where I'm like, okay, I know that this is not like a, a reflection of who I am. Mm -hmm. But I did say, I was like, I turned to my friend, I was like, do you see this? And I was like, should I do something really toxic right now? Like, should I take a fight with him? That's amazing. And, and he, but he, like what you said, it's like, do I really want to be with someone who like brings out this, this like toxicity that I can definitely have, you know, we're not perfect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do I really want to be with that? Great example. That's why I was so, that's why I was so excited to come on because I, I wanted to be able to speak about this kind of stuff with you because I think it's like, it's so important. One part of you, like what you would consciously say is that what you want is love and gratitude and groundedness and all that kind of stuff. Consciously, that's what you want, right? If you evaluate your patterns over time in your relationships, right, you learn about what your subconscious wants. And so if over time you're evaluating the patterns of your relationships and you're seeing chaos, toxicity, your subconscious wants chaos and toxicity, right? Now, that's not a blame thing. What happens is, is as we go through life and we're conditioned by society and we learn rules about who we need to be and how we get accepted and all that stuff, what we're doing is we're, we're developing a framework for love, safety, and belonging, right? Always what we are trying to do is experience love, safety, and belonging in the best way that we currently know how, right? So this is an example. I'm not saying that this is you. This is an example. What a lot of people will experience will be like, okay, consciously what I want is love and gratitude. But what I see in my patterns over time is I'm actually looking for this person's validation, right? And so that's a part of me that has been conditioned to believe that getting validation will get me love or it gets me warmth. It gets me the thing that I want to get right now. Most people will judge that about themselves and be like, I like don't seek validation. But like, that's really a part in you that truly believes that getting this person's validation is going to give you love, right? Again, I don't know if that's, I don't know if you're seeking his validation, but no, like, that's, I mean, to be totally honest, like that's exactly what it is. Right. And it's something that a lot of 
I think everyone struggles with it, but women especially women. with external validation. A hundred percent, right? Like you've learned your our culture and our society has taught you that like your value is created as a result of men being sexually attracted to you. And what I see with women often is like with like being seen as a sexual object. If you can successfully be seen that way, then there's a part of you that's been conditioned to believe that that's your safest strategy for getting access to acceptance, love, safety, and belonging, right? And like, if that's a part of you that sincerely believes that that, that validation is your best option for love, safety, and belonging, then the step to take is to not judge that part, but to actually meet that part of you with curiosity, because mm. it's a part of you. Like it's, it's like a person that exists inside of you who truly believes that validation is her best strategy to get what she wants. Right. And if, and, and if she's able to be supported and loved, she will be able to see, oh, the way that I'm going about life is actually producing the opposite of what I want, right? And then when you love her, when you in interact with that part of you lovingly, then she gets the thing that she was looking to get as a result of validation from men, which is love, safety, and belonging. And then she's like, oh, fuck. I've been trying to get it out here, but I see that it's right here. I now am aware that there are other options for it. This feels amazing. When I feel this unconditional love from you, I don't want to invest my energy into dudes who are like fucking around and being toxic. This is what I want to do. I want to like build this business with my friends. I want to create this podcast. I want to like blah, 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 whatever. So you're in in learning to relate into recognizing that pattern and learning to relate to it in a loving way you're then able to redirect the energy so that you can take actions that are more aligned with what you consciously want which is love gratitude and all that that is so helpful and you the nail on the head exactly so i mean listen like i i'm this is what's interesting is like i feel like i have this conscious awareness of it but my subconscious still and I guess I need to like be more curious and I want to be more curious the first place to start is to start asking questions to the part of myself that is seeking external validation mm -hmm. but what are because like I'll do the meditations like I'll do mm -hmm. and everything but sometimes I feel like am I doing it right what are questions that I can ask myself or ways to validate myself or build myself mm -hmm. up you know mm -hmm. beautiful yeah that's those are great questions. You're a really good question asker. I really appreciate yeah. that. Like I'm honest, what what I I believe that being a person who knows how to ask great questions makes like you'll get whatever you want in life. If you learn to ask the most aligned question and you're like really open to whatever the answers might be, it might be from another person. It might be from like some shit that just occurs to you. Like you will get what you want. So that in and of itself, like you're already doing it, you're in this process of reconditioning yourself and it takes time. Like it just takes time. I had this funny experience like two days ago, I was showering after surfing and uh, it was a little too hot. So I went to turn it a little colder and I forgot which direction cold was. So I turned it hotter and I was like, oh shit, I turned it back to cold. And then maybe four or five seconds later, it got hotter for a second and then it got colder. And it was this funny experience of like, okay, I told, let's say I told the universe what I want. Mm -hmm. I for a second, I wanted hotter water. That was a mistake. And then I immediately wanted colder water. And it just took a little bit of time to get to me. Like I communicated what I want, but the water has to travel. Mm -hmm. Like it, it takes time to reconditioning and reshape things. Right. So now with that part of you is like, am I doing it right? How do I know? A really helpful thing to do is to get clear for yourself on how you would know if you're doing it right. So let's say you're doing all this stuff right, right? Let's say you're like leaning deeper into loving yourself and practicing more gratitude. What would your life look like? How would you know that you've done it, that you're doing it right? Mm-hmm. And define, so journal about that, think on that, and then define that. 
lit- like literally defining that. Like my podcast looks like this. This is what I'm doing. This is when I when I wake up in the morning, if I'm if I'm loving myself in the way that I want to, then I would know that because I'm waking up in the morning and I'm doing this. And I'm doing this at night. And when I and I'm investing my energy into people who when I'm interacting with them, I feel like this. And I am making decisions that's that are not so much about how can i be accepted but are more about what does nourishment look like decisions that are for any you know that those are generally what they are yeah yeah yeah. i feel like you had posted something you said something like is this nourishing you actually Mm -hmm. i think this was the post that i i'm pretty sure i saved it and this is what made me follow you but it was something to do with relationships and you're like, is this nourishing me? It highlights how important to your words are and how you speak to yourself. Because if you think of your brain as a computer and you're telling yourself the same thing every single day, like I'm unworthy or whatever, your brain's going to pick it up. But then the opposite is also true with manifesting affirmations and things like that. Like there's so many skeptics, but From a neuroscience perspective, and if you're thinking of your brain as a software, installing a new software by installing new thought patterns and beliefs, narratives, like that is how you literally change. That's how you can you talk more on that for people who are skeptical about and I and maybe again with with words and terminology. This kind of conversation, what generally tends to happen is like, oh, you doubt this thing, but here's this information right? So now I can prove to you that this is real. I don't exist in the world of trying to prove things are real. The world that I exist in is look at what my life is. My life speaks to the results of my opinions. I'm not attached to my opinions as true or real. I see them as tools and they've helped me create this life. This is the experience I have. I'm very satisfied with my experience and I'd like more satisfaction. There's more I want to create. And if if a person is rejecting something like manifestation, the conversation isn't about manifestation. The conversation is, are you satisfied with your life? If you are, then continue to reject manifestation. That's fine. Like that's helping you create the life you want. Mm -hmm. But I bet you're not satisfied. I bet you're not. And so you re- you being closed off and rejecting a tool a tool that could potentially help maybe it doesn't mm-hmm. is you choosing to have the same experience of your life over and over and if that's what you want continue to reject all tools that's fine but you probably don't want that so why don't you try to be open and experiment with things rather than being invested into what's true and what's not true i love what you just said try to adopt that same kind of mindset of listen, if you don't want to believe that manifestation is real, or you don't want to believe what I'm saying, then that's fine. Like, I'm not going to try and waste my energy proving it to you. But it is an interesting reframe to then flip it back on the other person and be like, okay, well, are you fully satisfied with your life? Like, are you totally happy with who you are, where you're at? I think it also ties into like having a, a growth mindset versus a yes, mindset. exactly. To me, all there is, is creation. If I'm having a conversation, I'm create or I'm co-creating a conversation. Like right now, I feel excited and joyful. And maybe you do too. So what's happening is that we're creating an experience of excitement and joy. And the words that we're using in Zoom is are the materials we're using to create that. Every single thing is creation, right? In every single moment, we're creating an experience that we want. And everything is just a tool. Like everything is a tool. Does this help me create what I want to create? Mm -hmm. Does this relationship with my parents help me create what I want to create? Or is actually me blaming them and like, whatever, is that actually making it harder for me to create what I want to create? There's no right and wrong. There's just usefulness. And usefulness is only relative to what you want because I don't think that love and joy are better than fear or shame. I just think they're they're options. And mm-hmm. if you'd like to pick those options, you can pick those options. Interesting. 
I guess in in a certain way, we do sometimes subconsciously choose the fearful or shameful experience because in that moment we think that's what's going to make us feel the best. It's a form of protecting yourself because that's the best way that you know how to protect yourself is choosing the option that's maybe seeking external validation to feel loved. Exactly. Exactly. So back to your question on manifestation, like my thoughts on it. So love, safety, and belonging. Everything is about love, safety, and belonging. The way that I dress, the way that I speak, how my hair is, how I move, everything is a strategy that I'm using to access love, safety, and belonging. Most people are act trying to access love, safety, and belonging with things that they didn't actually choose. It was chosen for them, right? Mm-hmm. So most people's experience is this desperate scramble to access love, safety, and belonging because they think that if they can present the correct persona, that will get them to be accepted. And then they have access to love, safety, and belonging, right? So with like, let's say with rejecting parents and shame and blame, that might be a person's current version of love, safety, and belonging, right? It might be their current version to experience shame and blame when they consider their parents, which I get, like I experienced a whole lot of that and like still working through that and creating something else. What manifestation is, is just creating a new version of love, safety, and belonging. Because what your subconscious believes is safe, it will have. Mm -hmm. If your subconscious believes that making $7 million a year is safe, it will have that, right? Safety is familiarity. Familiarity is taking action to do it. So in order to manifest something, you need to be it, you need to do it, and then you'll have it. You're just training your subconscious to believe that this particular thing is safe. And and that's why visualization is so helpful. You're you're helping your subconscious become familiar with this thing Mm -hmm. so that it's safe. And when it's safe, then you can have it. So those are like the mechanisms. I I completely agree. And I also think what people don't necessarily see is and maybe it's because of the terminology so i honestly want to create a word that's like not manifesting Mm -hmm. you can only manifest things that subconsciously you feel worthy of and you subconsciously believe that you can attain and i think it's one of the clearest examples is someone who grew up in poverty or grew up with the belief systems from their environment that money is the root of all evil, or I will never succeed or amount to anything because that's all that they saw. That, that's what their subconscious picked up. So people who are in those situations struggle more with having an abundance mindset or being like magnets for wealth or those types of opportunities. And until they address or acknowledge, which also takes radical honesty, which is not easy to be like, truly brutally honest with yourself but until you acknowledge those limiting beliefs of i'm at the core of it it's i'm not worthy of money or i this this isn't attainable for me you will never manifest seven figures like you will never manifest what you want because you have deep down those subconscious limiting beliefs and in order to manifest you have to truly believe that you're worthy of it and then visualize it and see it and feel it and just be it and then take aligned action. And then that's the other misconception is like, oh, if I just think positive, like then it's going to come like, no, you mm-hmm. I mean, it's part of it, but you also have to take aligned action. There's so much of that that I agree with. And I think that there's actually a simpler and more powerful approach to it because believing that you're worthy is an interpretation, right? And so what happens with the believing that you're worthy thing is it's it comes from the same place as needing certainty. It's like, I need to convince myself that I'm certain that I'm worthy, right? And once I convince myself I'm certain that I'm worthy, then I'm going to be able to have these things or to do these things, right? But certainty doesn't exist. What I find is that hoping that you can be certain that you're worthy creates more anxiety because you will find yourself in places you're like at a music festival and you're taking Molly and you're dancing and you have a thought like, Whoa, fuck. Like 
Who even determines worth? What is that? And if you've built your whole safety on this pretend certainty that you're worthy, you're setting yourself up to crumble, right? And this has happened to me over and over and over again, right? I think I've found safety in some kind of truth, like worthiness or love Love is the truth. And then I have an experience where I'm like, fuck, do I actually know that? Mm-hmm. And if I can't actually know that, well, I've been building up my whole sense of safety and sense of self around something, pretending I know it, but I don't actually know it, right? So what I invite people to do is to step out of that whole thing where you don't need to believe anything. You don't need to believe you're worthy. When you believe, when, when you're interpreting yourself as worthy, what does that do for you? It generally feels light, joyful, confident. So then you go back to the same process. You just ask lightness, joy, and confidence how they'd like to go about making money, how they'd like to go about whatever these things. And then you just take those actions. You can skip the worthy step. And when you take those actions, right, and you're doing the thing and you're becoming familiar with doing this thing confidently, that's the thing that transforms your subconscious. And our minds are like, oh, this means worthy, but it's actually just a, it's a feeling that we're going right. after. There's no such thing as worth. Right, right, right. It's a feeling. It's a feeling. Oh my God. I like, I actually need to re-listen to this episode and start applying all of this to every area of my life. (laughs) I want to pivot the conversation. I asked a lot of my girlfriends and just people in general, like what they wanted to hear. You know, it might be different for every guy. (laughs) This is like, just, I'm just going to be really. I'm so excited to hear this. These are the questions I love. So after guys have sex, what is going through their mind? What is happening in their psyche? I think a lot of women fear having sex with a guy and then them just like leaving or taking off or, or something like that. How can you tell if that's the intention? What's going through their mind? Like how to read them? Yep, totally. Okay, <laughs> amazing question. And I think I have an amazing answer for it. Okay. So, okay, like the science of it would say that sex for women is about long-term relationship building, right? The pleasure is in this experience of like giving this a woman evidence that this might be a person that she could experience long-term safety with, right? So women produce oxytocin as a result of sex. Oxytocin is the like trust hormone, right? Like I trust you. I feel safe with you. For men, sex is usually a dopamine thing. Dopamine, the way that dopamine works is like, let's say you're super hype about Thanksgiving food, right? So your body is building up dopamine, building up dopamine. It's motivating you to take actions, to like drive to your grandparents' house, to make the food. The dopamine's motivating you to pursue this thing. And as soon as you know you have this thing, this plate is in front of you. As soon as you know you have it, the dopamine starts to decrease, right? So before you even take a bite, your dopamine is decreasing and you're less motivated to have this thing, right? That's generally how men experience sex. Now, is that culturally conditioned? Is that biological? Is that what? I don't like, it's all of those things probably, but that, but when men have sex and then they lose interest, that is kind of the thing that's happening. And that's what you're asking about, right? Like when men- are women just always fucked? Well, that kind of relates to box theory, which is, you know, tanks. No. She's like a huge creator on, on TikTok and Instagram, but she came uh-huh. up with this theory that men, before they even go out with you, they put you in a box and it's either you're in the hookup box, you're uh-huh. in the dating box, or you're in the like, you know, like one and done, whatever. Uh-huh. And would you say that that's true? Like you know whether a girl's just going to be a hookup or actually want to date them. So, also, I'm sorry. Follow up question though. So then, with that in mind, does it matter when you sleep with a guy? Okay. Oh, like timing of it. Yeah. Right. Time. Okay. So this, I think that thing about timing right? There are examples of people who have sex early on with men 
and and maintain interest and then examples of people who seem to lose interest, right? So this goes back to the be, do, have thing. If what we want is to produce the result of maintaining someone's interest and just being able to have sex whenever it feels right for us, whenever it feels good, then who are those people that have that result? Who are the people that seem to maintain interest? What do they do and what emotions are they experiencing? What seems to produce the one and done or like hookup, what seems to produce that, one of the things that seem to produce that is when both people are looking for validation. So the guy is looking to have his identity validated as like, oh, if I smash, then I'm seen as more masculine and I need to do that. The hotter the girl that I have sex with, then the more masculine I'm seeing, the the more status I have, right? And then for the woman, it's the same thing. Like if this dude likes me, then that gives me something that I don't already have access to. That seems to be the cocktail for like people's feelings getting hurt and like one and done kind of energy, right? Totally. I mean, I that's so weird that you said that because that was a realization that I've recently had with a guy that I was seeing. It's just side note, like something that I've also struggled with is just because of the way that I look and the way that my body is just like just the way that I look. Mm -hmm. Something that I struggle with on dates is like, okay, are they just going out with me because they want to sleep with me or mm-hmm. are they going out with me because they genuinely care what I have to say mm-hmm. and so for a while I would wait or, or I was kind of testing it. I was like okay if I wait to sleep with them like what's going to happen or if I don't wait to sleep with them what's going to happen at the end I realized that like I just don't like to sleep with people right away because mm-hmm. the oxytocin thing like it gives me this false sense of closeness and it it just like it makes me feel attached when I'm not because I don't even know this person. Mm-hmm. But um, but but maybe attached to the story of them, val- uh, maybe attached yeah. to the hope that they will experience you as a person, not just a sexual object. Yes. And then also right? like, in a way of, of proving myself that like, oh, they, right. it's, it's totally it's like, okay, but then what am I proving myself for? And like, to who? But, but, but remember, like- remember that with that, that's a part of you that believes that proving yourself will get you something, right? So you don't want to bypass that part and just be like, oh, that's not even going to do shit for me. Think about that as like a person inside of you. Mm -hmm. And when you do that thing of just like, oh, that's not going to do shit for me, you're you're ignoring that person. Mm -hmm. And the more you ignore that person, the more she's going to want to have her voice heard, the more she's going to want to prove herself. How do I acknowledge that? There are two major questions to Mm -hmm. ask, which is, what are you what are you experiencing right now like what does it feel like to feel like you have to prove your worth mm-hmm. right what's that experience like for you and what do you want if you're asking those questions to any parts of yourself like with sincerity and with kindness the answers will usually come to you mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so then that part of you might be like oh well if i prove myself like that that i can that i'm worth more than i'm more than just my body that'll give me access to groundedness, right? You like break it down. Mm -hmm. So it's the same process. What that part wants is groundedness. It just might be going about getting it in a way that's producing something else. Tying it back to what you also said, this realization that I had, I got really honest with myself and I was like, well, with this guy, I don't want him to be my boyfriend, but I Mm -hmm. like his validation. Like I like Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. So if I'm trying to figure out like, okay, well, how does he feel about me? Well, if I'm looking to him for validation, and that's really what my core feeling is with this, and if everyone is a mirror reflection of us, he's talking to me for validation too. And that's yeah. like what it is. Yes, that's a really good point. That's was, a really good it point. A crazy realization. But again, it takes like being so honest with yourself and being like, okay, why am I talking to this person? Yes. You know? And yes. getting to like the core of it. And obviously I don't want to say like, yeah, I want his validation, you know, like no one wants to see themselves in that light, but it's the fucking truth. I do. And I like it. Yes. But that, that's great though. Like, I really like that. Like you don't have to not want validation, right? What, what you probably want is a relationship with the part of you that wants validation that produces you not 
putting yourself in positions where you're having experiences you don't want to have. It's like, how can I have this part of me that wants validation and love that part? Like wants to look super hot, wants to do all this shit, like wants to sometimes post thirst traps Mm -hmm. and like I have what I need. So I'm, I'm like, I'm allowing that part of me to exist Mm -hmm. and I'm loving that part. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually not doing it because I'm like trying to lure people in to get something that I don't need. I have what I need. Mm -hmm. This is just fun for me to do this. Like it goes back to just your intention and energy. It's the same. It's like, you could have the same joke, but different delivery. Like it's totally different. And I think when, cause I've also gone, like I've gone through years of just doing things from a place of insecurity yeah I post thirst traps but it's definitely I mean sometimes it's probably triggered by like an insecurity or like to get a guy's attention I'm just being honest <laughs> but that's fine yeah part, like especially because it's I know where it used to come from like now it really does come from a place of confidence and being proud of myself for like how far I've come you know mm-hmm. but it yes. was not always it was not always like that it's important to like start getting clear on okay what is your intention behind this and what's the energy like is it coming from a place of fear which is like insecurity or is it coming from a place of love which is confidence right. empowerment exactly and that's a really important part of that I think is like even if it is coming from a place of fear, that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You just might not prefer to experience fear, right? Mm-hmm. So that goes back to that whole thing of like, love and joy are not better than fear and shame. All of those things are just options. And what you get to do is pick your option and then choose a way of delivering the joke mm-hmm. that seems likely to produce the option that you want. And the reason that that's important, like seeing it that way, that there's no better or worse is because when you are in a place where you believe like, no, it needs to be about love. Like if you're, if you're posting a thirst trap, it's not about love. Well, that's a person who believes that love is better than fear. Right. And when they're in a place where they believe that love is better than fear, what's that doing? that's putting them in a state of judgment where they're judging what they think is non-love. So they're experiencing fear because they're they in a state of fear because they're in exactly, a state of fear. exactly. So the way to escape, if you want to experience more love, choose to not see that love is better than anything else. It's just an option. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we are almost out of time. So I just, I came up with like a little activity. Mm-hmm. I love that. A little yes or no. Um, agree, disagree, and then maybe like a short explanation. Uh, you kind of mentioned in the, in the beginning, but I wanted to know thoughts on weed. How do you feel about full, weed? full thoughts? Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, I wish I had a good enough answer to be able to say a simple yes or no. Can I say a longer answer? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> One of the most helpful things in my life that I've ever experienced was learning to not see myself as Flynn, but to just see myself as patterns of energy, right? Now, in any given moment, there's nourishment or there's depletion. Doing this with you is nourishing. This is some, This is an action that's going to give me more energy to do more of the things that I want to do. It's not about this being right or wrong or anything like that. It's simply just, it's giving me energy, right? Maybe you too. I would love that. So over time, all there are are, is nourishment and depletion. It's not you. And what we get to do is is live life if we want optimizing nourishment, not because nourishment is better than depletion. It just feels better. It's more satisfying. Satisfaction isn't better than dissatisfaction. It's just more satisfying. It feels better. That's it. It's that's it. So if that's the case, then what I get to do is evaluate everything that I do in my life, how I think about things, how I relate to things, how I brush my teeth in the morning, everything. Is this nourishing me or is this depleting me? Is this making it easier for me to do more of what I want to do or is it making it harder? Generally, for me, smoking weed creates an experience that depletes me. I like it a lot when I'm dancing. If I'm out dancing, I I can smoke weed because I can do something, but generally weed depletes me. But that's not like a, a blanket statement about weed. That's just me personally. I just, I'm only evaluating energy. Mm-hmm. How often do you smoke? 
I used to smoke like 40,000 times a week. And now I don't remember the last time I smoked, maybe four months ago. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. interesting. What are your thoughts and feelings on mushrooms and microdosing? Beautiful. I've used microdosing a lot. I don't use it that much anymore. I, I think that mushrooms, what they do is they help people remember that love is a safe state to be in. So it like it it takes you from a framework where maybe anxiety and confusion are your best version of love, safety, and belonging. And it puts you into a framework where you where you can remember that well-being is really safe. Because what happens, like I think that we're all born into the world with love and joy. And and through our conditioning, we learn that it's not safe to be loving and joyful. Like you're you need to be this, you need to be worthy, you need to be good. And then mushrooms create an experience where we remember, oh, fuck, it's safe to be in love. And when I'm in love, this is how I see myself. This is how I see the world. So I think it can be really helpful and important for that. And then you can recognize that feeling and then memorize it and then apply it and start to feel it more often than not. Exactly. Exactly. But if you don't remember it, then you can't apply it. Right, right, right. Okay, last one, super random, but thoughts on men who like or want to split the bill on a first date? That is such a good <laughs> question. That's such a fucking good question. Okay, my thoughts on anyone doing anything is are they having an experience that they're aware of? Are they doing this because they've consciously chosen this strategy to create an experience that they're aware of? The experience that I like having with women or like with my girlfriend, like we like polarity. We like things that like seem to exist in this thing of like conventional masculinity and conventional femininity and do those things, but from a place of like, it's fun and playful. So for me personally, like to access that polarity, which is like hot sexual energy to me, paying the bill fully is a strategy to create that polarity. So for me personally, like that's what I would do. If a dude wants to split the bill, I would say that if that person is consciously choosing a strategy to create an experience that they want, then I'm very happy for them. That was a very PC answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What do you think about that? What are your thoughts if a dude wants to split the bill? I think the way that you put it was perfect. And I would have never said it that way. It's very unattractive to me. Mm -hmm. And like, I like to be in my feminine energy in, in certain situations, but especially in romantic relationships. And I feel like if a guy was trying to split the bill on a first date I wouldn't feel in my feminine and also I just I like to feel pursued in the beginning mm-hmm, I think it's like mm-hmm. the principle and the premise mm-hmm. shows good manners it's a reflection of their character like it, it sh- it's not that like I can't afford it or that I'm not going to pay for things in the future or anything like that it's honestly just the principle of you asked me out you're courting me you're showing me that like why I should even go out with you. And I think that that is one factor of that. I really like that answer. I like that you just were like, it's more attractive to me. That That's actually really cool. And like, I gave you a framework for my answer, but my actual, you inspired me. My answer would be like, if I were evaluating that dude to be friends with him, I would be less attracted to the idea of being friends with him. Yes. Yeah. So, so like, that's just not your preference. Like you're exactly. less attracted. It's just not your preference. That That's a really cool answer. So to finish off, because we're a little bit over time, but to finish off, can you leave us with one piece of advice that you think would make the world a better place? Whoa, it's really, really beautiful. <laughs> um, okay, I a really helpful thing is to to deeply understand that in every single moment, every single person is doing their absolute best to access love, safety, and belonging. Even the most heinous, ugly things that people do, 
that is a person who's accessing love, safety, and belonging in the way that they know how. Most people are going after love, safety, and belonging in a way that doesn't produce the version of love, safety, and belonging that they would actually like, right? But everyone is doing the best that they can to access that. And when people are supported in their, in like the development of their awareness of new versions of love, safety, and belonging, I've never met a person who, when really given the option to experience love and joy, doesn't choose love and joy. Everyone wants that, but everyone is desperately investing their energy into trying to present as a version that they think they need to present as. And so everyone is operating with all this fear. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so just seeing people through that lens just creates a whole lot of compassion and a lot of like ease and love. The world becomes a lot more beautiful when you see everything through that lens, at least in my experience. I completely agree. It is just seeing people with compassion. And when you see things through compassion, you don't take things personally. You can see it from a place of love. You feel lighter. And then that's just the energy that you're putting out and then getting back. Exactly. And you're better able to help people. Yes. Well, Flynn, thank you so much. This was thank you. the best first interview that I could have ever asked for. And I'm so grateful to have had you on. I had so much fun. I think that you're a fantastic question asker. I really, really like this a lot. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thank you.